Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Tuesday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, and we've got uh, Raiders fullback Alec Ingold uh, staying over uh, one other, one more segment uh, to take calls uh, and to talk about uh, the Raiders. Uh, by the way, I got to tell you, uh, I'm a little worried about my job because Alex sounds like a natural uh, doing this. So uh, I better uh, uh, watch my back, man, because because uh, Ingold might be uh, coming to take my job. But hey, I got to I got to quickly ask you. Um, uh, John Gruden going into uh, year four. Uh, it'll be your third year uh, under John Gruden. And and you know when I when I took over covering the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal, I remember this was like in November of 2019. I remember talking to some people, you know, doing some uh, so, some looking into some things. And and somebody told me, and this was in the Raider organization um, that worked with them. That John Gruden has a burning, des- uh, not a burning desire, a maniacal. This was how it was put to me: a maniacal obsession and desire to get the Raiders back uh, to where they belong um, and to restore the order with the Raiders. And I haven't seen anything that's, uh, you know, that that's been the contrary uh, to that description. But you're in there with him every day. Uh, what is your assessment of of John Gruden and the passion that he has? Uh, and how much did it kill him, like last year, when when things kind of fell apart a little bit uh, down the stretch? Uh, I I got a feeling that it, it, this means a lot to John Gruden. Yeah, I mean that's no secret to anybody, and he wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think the coolest thing about playing for John Gruden is is the the meetings. Those yeah. things can get you know you you think oh man you're in another meeting it's going to be another two hours like. It's 7 a.m. for the 15th week in a row, and you're going for two hours, and you just uh, you're losing three games, four games, and you see that guy, and you immediately get energized. <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter what what the opponent is, you know, what the game plan is, the way he's able to tell people how to do their jobs and how to coach them up and how to take this this piece from this wide receiver from 1970, and you get a little history lesson on the side about you know who this wide receiver is and and what he did or how he practiced. Uh, from the Eagles way back when he was a wide receiver coach. <laughs> and then that's how he's teaching Darren Waller how to run this route. You know, it, it's just so exciting. It's you, you become a student of the game when the more you're around him. And, you know, those meetings are something that I can't imagine. You know, I, obviously all I know is that in the league. But, um, man, anytime I talk to any guys around that, that have moved in and got traded or got picked up by us, they're like, these are the most insane meetings ever. You know, like, <laughs> the, the amount of detail, the amount of precision in coaching is pretty sweet. That's pretty awesome. Uh, all right, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Mark is in the Bay Area, and uh, he wants to talk to Alec Ingold. How you doing, Mark? Hey, thanks, Vinny. Thanks, Alec. Um, Alec, man, I'm just really uh, excited to have this conversation, and um, appreciate you doing this. I've been following the team since 1976, and, I, you know, I, I was spoiled as a kid. You know, I got to see Stabler, Bolitnikoff, Plunkett, Allen, I mean, all the greats. And, you know, Derek Carr is a really, really good quarterback. We are so lucky and blessed to have him. I mean, you know, I think most, most Raider fans realize that, and I think you know that. I mean, I would say, you know, a high percentage are in his corner. As far as the leadership goes, you see it before every game when he rallies the team in and he talks about 
you're going to get everything I got today. We, we all hear that. We all see it. We know it. I mean, the guy brings the fire. There's only two quarterbacks in the last two years that have thrown for over 4,000 yards and less than 10 interceptions, and that's him and Aaron Rodgers. Everybody knows he's a top-10 quarterback. So um, I, I, I think it's awesome that you've come out. You can see the chemistry he has with all you guys, with Renfro, with Waller. You know, everybody loves cars. So I don't know. You know, I think it's kind of silly that the national media – you know, brings out these stories. But the people, you know, that really follow the team closely know what's going on. I do have a question for you, though, man. Being, being that I've followed the team so long and I've got to see some great, great fullbacks, Banizak, you know, John Ritchie back in the day, you know, uh, and most recently Marcel Reese. You know, I know during the season they talked about Josh Jacobs talking with Marcus Allen periodically. And I think that's one thing great about the Raider organization is, you know, Charles Woodson had Willie Brown. You know, once a Raider, always a Raider. So my question for you, Alec, is do you ever reach out? I mean, I know Mars, you know, it's probably hard with COVID last year, but have you ever ever had that have you ever had the chance to have conversations with either like John Ritchie or Marcel Reese? And if and if so, maybe you could share with us, you know, what it's like to have so many uh, Raider greats from the past to be able to kind of tap into. Um and and again, I appreciate this. Thanks, Alec. Mark, you're the man. You're, I mean, he's speaking from the heart too, Mark. I appreciate yep. that. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with anything you said. And you know, I got Marcel Reese on speed dial. We've done a couple of give back thing, Raider give back things when we were over in London, my rookie year. Uh, he really tried to take me under his wing and, and teach me kind of the way. Um, as soon as I got in the building, and you know, that means the world to me to know the impact that that guy had in this organization, being a Pro Bowler, All Pro. You know, that that's the standard, and the Raiders have a standard of having great fullbacks, having fullbacks that are best in the league. And, you know, that's the standard that I'm trying to set for myself. Those are the goals I write down every single day. And, you know, having a guy like Marcel on speed dial, being able to text him and say, what's up, um, whether he needs to drop off some cookies for me or, or he's, you know, giving me life advice. You know, I think it's awesome to have a guy like that in your corner, be able to text, um, you know, do interviews with, give back stuff with, and to see him back in the facility now. I know he just got hired uh was like a month ago maybe two months ago as a senior advisor you know that that's just cool that's that's what it's all about and you know there's definitely a lineage a lineage of Raiders fullbacks and I'm trying to be you know the next guy in in that standard you know those guys set a very high standard for what it takes to be a Raider and you know you try and live up to that you try and you know do the best you can every single day no doubt about it. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Eddie in L.A. We went from the Bay Area to Los Angeles. Raider Nation rolls deep in California. There's no question about it. Eddie is in Los Angeles. What you got, brother? Hey, how you doing, Alec? I just want to say, man, I'm a big fan. I've been watching you since the Raiders picked you up, and more so of your story, man. I, I don't think if, uh, enough people know everything you had to go through, fight every inch just to get where you're at. That's one of the reasons why I'm me and my son are a big fan. I think you're a huge inspiration, especially to a lot of kids out there that, you know, they, they're looking for a beam of light, some kind of a hope, man. I, and uh, you're it, brother. So we yeah, appreciate everything all you do off the field for those kids. I was one of those kids, man, lost and didn't know where you're you know, going. I found my way, but there's too many out there, and you do a lot. So first off, hats to you, man, to all the work you do off the field. Because, you know, kids your, you know, kids your age, I can say that I'm a little older, but kids your age, you know, they're there into more self-absorbed, selling media, and they're building up their brand. And I think, um, you know, when you see someone actually going out and doing things for others, it's, it's got to be applauded always. Another thing I want to say, man, if you could, especially from 
Eddie in L.A. and his son, Eric, <laughs> and the Garcia family, they tell Derek Carr, keep the faith, brother. The real nation believes in him. All right? All the real Raider fans, the real nations that have been stuck with all these atrocious quarterbacks knows we got something, and we're going to ride to die with it, so you can see that. But I wanted to ask you a question. How, how, is, how do you guys deal with the, with the noise, with all that, that trash that you hear every day, and then to go in and have to keep putting focus, and, and especially when the season is not going the way anybody planned. I mean, you got hurt, and it's difficult, especially when you have players up right behind you trying to take your roster spot, and then you have to battle back. It almost seems like you, you kept getting kicked down, and you kept having to rise up. How do, how do you deal with those adversities and just tune out the noise? Eddie, I appreciate the kind words, man. I'll definitely let uh, DC know what you the feelings for you and your son, man. That, that's awesome. Um, the noise, the noise is something that can bring teams together. It can tear them apart. And you know, I, I don't think that you know when you're professionals, it's it's a part of the job, right? You have to block it out. You have to focus on your job. You come to work every single day, and you play for your brothers, right? You play for the organization. You play for your teammates. You play for the coaches, the organization. You play for the fans. You play for your family, you play for the name on the, the front of the jersey, and you play for the name on the back of the jersey as well. You know, the, the family that got you there, the support system that helped you build into the, the man that you are. And, you know, all of that has to matter, every single piece of it. And, you know, when you get all of that added up, you do that whole equation, you know, you get someone that's pr- proud to put on that silver and black, put on that shield, and go play on Sundays and give your best effort. And to, to always remember that you're playing it as one team and you're able to put everything aside, whether you had a good play or a bad play the week before, whether you're coming off of a player of the week or you cost a team the game and you're just ready to throw it in all in there with your brothers. I think that's how you, that's how you deal with the noise. You know, whether it's good, bad or indifferent, it doesn't matter because the guy next to you is, account- he's accountable. You know, I need to do my job so that Josh can do his. Josh needs to do his job so, you know, Rodney Hudson can do his. You know, we all feed off of one another, and we all play for one another. So being able to block out that noise and play for the guy right next to you, I think that's that's how you deal with noise. That's how you deal with applause and, you know, people saying that you're not doing good enough. You know, you, you, you put in so much blood, sweat, and tears with the guys that, that you play with, the guys dealing with injuries that nobody knows about, the guys that the Kyle Wilbers and Nick Morrows of the world that show up at 530 in the morning to get their bodies ready to go. You know, no one sees that, but we do. So we get to play for one another. We get to ball out for one another. And, you know, at that point, you know, the the noise, it doesn't seem to, you know, affect you as much. When you see those guys, the sacrifices people go through, um, you know, in a global pandemic, not being able to see family, you know, people not being able to see their kids, you know, that all of that stuff, all those conversations mean something. And I think that's really, you know, how you block out that noise. Yeah, and I'm going to uh, chime in real quick too. Um, you know, uh, when we were allowed in the locker room, uh, and, and and I got here, like I said, in 2019, up in up in Oakland. Uh, one thing that I like to do is just you know uh, kind of take the temperature of the room. Uh, there's there's I've, I've been in locker rooms where there was just silliness, and you could tell that there was just a little bit of lack of care and a lack of professionalism. Professionalism. Um, from pretty much the day I stepped foot in the, in the Raiders locker room, uh, I, I felt like as young as the team was, there was a conscientiousness uh, to this team that really stood out. And I felt like 
give this team some time, give these young players some time to grow, and something special can happen. I truly believe that. Uh, I didn't sense any knuckleheads. I didn't sense any lack of professionalism. And it, and we weren't allowed in the locker room this year, unfortunately. Hopefully that'll change. Uh, but but I, I have to believe that that sense of professionalism and that conscientiousness is still there. Am I uh, off off the beaten path here, or am I onto something? No, hundred percent. I think you you get to see the sacrifice that that your brothers make, you know, on a daily basis, and you know, you put your feelings aside at that point, and you just play for each other. You know, that's that's how it goes. That's how it is being a pro. Absolutely. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, John uh, wants to talk to Alec. Uh, how you doing, John? I'm good, Benny. How you doing? Hey, Alec. How's it going, man? How we doing, John? I'm doing good, man. I'm calling out here from Atlanta. Big Raider fan, man. Been a big Raider fan for about 30 years. Uh, I just caught on to the show, and I had a couple quick questions. I don't know if you guys touched on it before. But before I do that, Alec, I just want to salute you, dog, man. You played through some really serious injuries, man. You had to fracture ribs, and you kept playing, man. I just got nothing but mad love and respect for you and your toughness, man, and your love for the game, man. I just definitely appreciate you so much. Um, being a fellow uh, Wisconsin player, man, was you out there trying to get J.J. Uh, Watt, man? Was you shooting him a couple of tests or something, man? What's going on with that? <laughs> hey, from the ATL, you got to be repping out there. There's no Falcons oh, fans, nothing. You, how, how, how proud do you rep the, the silver and black out there? Oh, man, they, I get everything, man, from my car to my house. Man, I was, I was, um, gonna, I was going to go when y'all played Atlanta. I, I'm going to keep it real with you. I love my Raiders. I was a little happy. Right. I kept that money in my pocket on that game, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, hey, that was a tough one. I'm sorry we couldn't put on for you out there, man. That was tough. Um, no, but, no, I think, you know, J.J. Watt is definitely an inspiration. You know what I'm saying? Like, on the field, off the field, Walter Payton, man of the year. You know, he's you know perennial all-pro. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, yeah. so – you know, I'm I'm not exactly up in that league of uh of Badger alumni, so no. I need to put in a little bit more work. I need to um you know put some put some more work in every single year, and hopefully I can get up there, and hopefully we can start recruiting people out here uh, to the silver and black. But you know, I, I'm still this undrafted cat that needs to um, prove himself every single day. So I'm I'm gonna keep working on that. Well, I appreciate man, I appreciate you so much, man. That's the answer I would expect you to say. And then, really, my last question for you, brother, man, is um. We all read this story about Nelly and that rant he had. I believe it was after, like, the Dolphin game, right? Like, so I need to rehash it. But, like, where, where, was you, where were you at at that time, man? And how, how was you feeling when Nelly kind of went on that rant on the team? And um, mm-hmm. I'll hang up and let you kind of answer that. Yeah, no, he, uh, you know, he vocalized a lot of feelings that everyone had. And everyone was on the same page. We were, we were pissed off, man. We lost. We lost a game we should have won. And, you know, that is something that, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't any finger point. I said that earlier in the show. It's a lot of mirrors out here. A lot of people being accountable for their actions. And, you know, the way that I would go back to the way that Nelly prepares. He's one of those guys that's in there 5 a.m. catching jugs, getting his body right. He, he's in meetings and full pads, bro. He's in, he's in meetings ready to go. He's ready to run. He's always in shape. And, you know, he's a, he's a teammate that I asked a lot of questions about because he's been around the block and he knows what it takes to be a good pro. And, you know, that's the type of guy that when he talks, people listen. So, you know, he, he vocalized a lot of feelings that everyone had. You know, it wasn't like anyone thought he was out of line or he wasn't calling anybody out. You know, it is really just a guy that prepares his tail off, you know, playing at a very high level and made probably, it could have been, you know, the game winning play could have been one of the best plays in the year for the entire NFL. And, and then you come up short, you know, everyone's frustrated. So, you know, it's a bunch of grown men that are accountable to one another and, and he, you know, let everyone hear it. So, you know, you, you don't, 
take feelings or you don't get any hurt feelings by it. You, you agree with it and you move forward as a team. And that's what we did real quick before we get into the, to get to the last caller. Um, was that a situation though, that was forgotten as quickly as it happened? Cause you know, I, I did some poking around on that and after a tough loss, it's not unusual for frustration to be expressed, but as quickly as it's expressed, it's swept under the rug and you move on to the next game and to the next practice and the next meeting. I wouldn't say swept under the rug. I mean, it was something that needed to be said, and I think it, it brought a lot of people closer together. And I don't think it was something that separated anybody. Offense and defense, uh, D-line to linebackers to quarterbacks to running backs, you know, it was a coming together moment for the Raiders. And, you know, hopefully five years from now, people can talk about that rant and they can say that that was a moment that, you know, the team got brought even closer together. And that's something that, you know, was heartbreaking at the time, but that's what fueled a lot of guys off season programs. It fueled a lot of people's growth professionally, personally, so that we were able to go on a huge run and win a lot of games. You know, I, I don't think it was swept under the rug. I think it was taken and respected. Absolutely. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider T uh, has some questions. Uh, I want to talk to Alec Ingold. How you doing, Raider T? Good. How are you guys doing? What's up, Raider? Number, number one, I want to, I want to say um, you said J.J. Watts an inspiration. Well, I think you're an inspiration. I, look, I love the way you play. And I want to let you know that the real fans see that and realize that. And we not only the big stars on the team, but the unsung heroes, guys like Denzel Good and Jeff Heath, um, we know all you guys, and we appreciate your effort. You put your bodies on the line. I just want to let you know that. Um, number two, you know, I want to um, reiterate what the other caller said about D.C. The true fans know uh, what we have in D.C. and what a great quarterback he is. He's the best quarterback we've had since Rich Gannon. We have his back. And that also goes for guys like um, Corey Littleton, who didn't have the best year, but we're pulling for that guy. We, I, I believe that under Gus Bradley, that guy's going to come back, and he's going to have a good year next year so the real fans are rooting for you guys we're not looking to throw anybody under the bus um and for the most part we see the effort you guys put in with the exception of one player on the team i'm not going to mention his name but i have a pretty good feeling that the raiders are not going to bring him back and he doesn't want to be a raider but uh the big picture is i just want to say thank you for the effort the heart and the way you put it on the line week in and week out i appreciate that raider team man that means a lot um you know i think just speaking from the heart and being, you know, real with you guys. You know, this is a great opportunity to talk to you guys and kind of, you know, feel a lot of emotions out and get some words out too. And the support that you guys have shown means the world, right? And, you know, it means a lot that the unsung heroes of the world, the Denzel Goods, you know, they get appreciated, man, because they're amazing people and they're amazing Paul players. And um, the sacrifices guys go through on a daily basis, man, it's inspiring. And, you know, it's something where you just want to be a part of a team like that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm really excited to see, you know, where this team goes. And, you know, you can you can say whatever you want, but I, I know a lot of guys are working hard and a lot of guys are ready to win some ball games. So it's an exciting time to be a Raiders fan, exciting time to be a Raiders player, too. Hey, uh, we got one more question. You got what? Uh, you got one more left in you? Yeah, one more. We're good. OK, uh, absolutely. Uh, Cody, really quick. Uh, I just jumped on online. How, how you doing, Cody? And uh, what's your question for Alec? I'm doing good. Um, I want to know, basically, um, All right, I don't know what happened there. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, no, no worries he on that. He doesn't want to know anything, guys. 
I guess so. Uh, hey, Alec, um, real quick before you go, uh, and thank you very, very much for doing this. I think uh, it needed to be said. I think it needed to be heard. Uh, and I think that uh, the fans absolutely uh, respect it and, and responded to it. How anxious and, and um, uh, how much are you looking forward to finally getting fans back uh, into the stadium? I think, you know, when you look at some of those games that we were just talking about, Miami, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, the, the Chargers, I was in the press box thinking to myself, I wonder what it would be like if 65,000 crazy Raider fans are in here right now making life difficult for the Chiefs, making life difficult for the Dolphins, making life difficult uh, you know, for the Chargers in those critical moments especially. How much are you looking forward uh, to finally getting those fans back at Allegiant Stadium? Vinny, it's going to be an explosion at Allegiant Stadium, man. I am so excited. I cannot wait. You know, We feed off of that energy, that emotion. Uh, that, that gets people going in the fourth quarter when you got nothing left in the tank. You know, that silver and black is second to none. And, you know, we cannot wait for y'all to see that new stadium. It is state of the art. Mark Davis, Mark Bedane crushed it. They they did their thing in there, and you guys are going to love that place. So I'm really excited to see what the future is. I think it's going to be electric. I think people are going to – it's going to be a spectacle. It's right on the strip. And, you know, I think people are going to – people are going to travel a long ways to just – witness what Raider Nation could do in there. It's going to be yeah, awesome. Absolutely. And hopefully that is sooner uh, rather than, than later. We're all keeping our fingers crossed. Uh, Alec, uh, I have a feeling this isn't going to be the last time uh, <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're on the airwaves uh, here uh, in the huddle. I really, really appreciate um, you taking the time and especially taking the time uh, to take some calls. I know what, me- what, I know what it means uh, to Raider Nation. I hear them every day. They call every day. Uh, and and it's, it, it really is... It's why I do it. So um, I can only imagine what you mean to them and to, to give your time and to take some calls. Uh, really cool of you and, and, and really appreciate it. Uh, take care of yourself. I'll see you down the line, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But I really, really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Thank you, man. Thanks, Vinny. Back to work. I'm, I'm out. We'll see you. Absolutely. All right, cool. Uh, see you at a gym somewhere around town or a park maybe. We'll see. Um, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonster and Lincoln Kennedy brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It's time to tackle the top headlines of the day. I got blasted. This is 3 and Out. All right, Vinny, are you ready for me? Are you ready for 3 and Out? I am. Uh, and that, of course, is our producer, Devon Cotton. Uh, and he has three uh, headlines or items from the sports world and beyond uh, that we're going to talk about. But before we do, I just want to give a shout out one more time and a thanks one more time to Alec Ingold uh, for uh, working a little overtime. Uh, today uh, he didn't have to do that, uh, but he uh, and this is why um, you know uh, I just gotta say this real quick. Uh, you know stories kind of come about uh, a lot of different ways. Uh, sometimes it's just you know uh, me or a reporter you know going up to a player in the locker room with a story idea like, hey, this is what we're working on. This is what I'm working on. I just need to ask you a couple questions about it. You know, and and, and that's how it happens. Sometimes you know it's over a Zoom call. Uh, lately, uh, you have that. Uh, uh, happen. Sometimes it's just after a game when you're in the scrub and you're asking questions. Um, so not to get into the entire dynamics of how this story came about, um, but but essentially Alec Ingold wanted to get something off his chest because he was, you know, seeing it and hearing it and, uh, you know, uh, more than once uh, about the Raiders quarterback situation. And again, the underlying uh, narrative was uh, Derek Carr. Uh, wasn't the guy and uh, that was the message that he wanted to convey and and it wasn't one of those situations where you know because I've seen this on Twitter what what's he supposed to say he didn't have to say anything he's the one that kind of initiated the whole thing 
uh, to get um, uh, uh, support out for Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a big boy. Uh, he's been around a long time, seven years now in the NFL. Uh, he can handle it. There's no question about that. That wasn't what you know uh, Alex's uh, intent was. He just wanted to let, I think, Raider Nation more than anybody know uh, that they feel in that locker room like they got the right quarterback uh, to get the job done. And he felt compelled uh, to say that and to express himself. And you can, you got to respect that, I, I, you know, because a lot of guys uh, take the politically correct uh, answer and, you know, or just decline or whatever the case might be. He took it upon himself uh, to show a lot of leadership uh, for a teammate uh, and for that organization, for that locker room. So uh, a lot of thanks. And especially for for uh, engaging with the fans, I know uh, a lot of uh, fans had a lot of questions, uh, and and uh, and you got a chance to to talk to him. Uh, he didn't have to do that; he did. Uh, so uh, a lot of respect to Alec Ingold. Uh, but without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and uh, and roll out three and out. All right, Vinny, a story that hit the presses last night, and you know I became enthralled by. Are you a sneakerhead at all? Uh, no, not really. Um, I just, uh, that, that one kind of passed me by a, a little bit. Uh, I, my, my kids are now, oh my God, uh, are they ever uh, into the whole sneaker thing? So my wallet understands it. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, my wallet, uh, is, is all over, uh, the, the whole sneaker head thing, but go ahead. What do we, what do we got? And, um, and, and I'll try to do the best I can on a subject that I'm not all that familiar with. All right, well, you'll understand this, at least from your kid's perspective. You know how okay. you go on the sneakers app or the Yeezy app and you're, or the you know, Yeezy website, and you're just trying to get those sneakers, but they're always sold out right but right as they drop. It's like, man, it's 7.01. How are all these shoes going immediately? <laughs> yes. And it's so yes. hard. Well, then Bloomberg decided to do a piece on a Joe Herbert and Joe, he runs a he runs like a like a whole bot organization out of Oregon, and it was like and it was just like look at this young like under twenty one uh, young entrepreneur who's just so smart, a young whippersnapper who can hit the resale market. But then you get let you you read the article. I read the whole thing, and then it's oh Joe's mother is an executive at Nike, and then he uses her he uses her company card to actually purchase all of these nikes his father even set up like a whole llc for him so then it's just like the system's rigged i know the the she's and shocking her, exactly right <laughs> i you know the one time so I, let me get this straight yes tell, yes Vinny, let's go let me get this I'm straight. fired up it's it's almost it's like a cross between insider trading and uh access uh, sooner than other people have it, and also mom's credit card, by the way. So they're able to, but he was able to buy up a bunch of these shoes. Now, was he keeping them for his own purposes, or no, was no, he no. then he turning around and he selling them? He resells them and ups up the market. So let's say you want that pair of Kyrie Fours, the Cinnamon Toast Crunches. Yes, you want that pair because that's your favorite cereal. They're about one twenty. You can't get them, and then you see them online, and someone's trying to sell them for like like two forty. 24250. You know, they're getting like a hundred dollar, a hundred and twenty dollars. Exactly. Cow, and then is... you multiply that by like hundreds of pairs of shoes, maybe even more, like very rare pairs of shoes, and it's just like this kid's making a killing. Well, that and from what I understand, uh his mom had to step down from the organization, right? She didn't have to, she chose to, but I think she chose to because she knew she was in hot water. Of course, yeah. Well, I will tell you what, you know, uh it's, they it's knew. kind of a it's, it's it's that's frustrating uh, because it ultimately hurts the little guys that are out there that are that are you know trying to get their hands on yes me on these yes exactly on these sneakers um, you know at, at, at regular costs let alone not having to turn around and go in someplace else and pay, paying double for them 
but uh, in a small sort of a way, uh, remember how last week we were talking about jobs and would you do this, would you do that, or what, maybe it was earlier this week. But anyway, uh, one of my jobs, one of my first jobs, I, I worked at a pizzeria. Uh, I, 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 I made pizzas. I did the whole spinning thing and all that with the pizza and everything like that. So, uh, you know, as part of working there, we were able to get pizza at like half cost, let's say, all right? Um, but and, and a lot of times, you know, you're you're at the end of your shift. You're going to take something home, you know, for dinner, right? So you're, you 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 buy a pizza at half cost. All right. So this is a mom and pop owned pizzeria. Do you know, Damon, what they would make us do before we left? We would have to eat a piece of the pizza before we left because they were worried that we were going to go out on the open street and resell it for. You know, to make a couple of extra dollars. Now, Man, this I must have been some good pizza. Even, pizza with a resale that? value. <laughs> I, wow. No, no, it was like it was like the epitome of come on, like like that's taking it too far. But I'm just reminded of that because think of it for, in, in, in this term. Look at that 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 company that they were literally they they, they were literally literally uh, um, uh, you know uh, not guilty of but the victims of that very thought like like. The mom and pop that owned that pizzeria took it way too far, but at least they were they were like cognizant of it could happen, and they made you know they, they had precautions in place to make sure. Nah, you ain't leaving this this pizzeria and going to sell this pizza to your next door neighbor uh, to make a buck. You're gonna eat a piece of pizza. Nobody's gonna buy a piece of pizza that has one piece <laughs> one piece eaten. I thought it was overkill, and obviously was, but at least they were like thinking along the lines of how some people might think this sneaker company just got completely under uh uh you know uh, scored by their own employee <laughs> it's just amazing what they were able to what they were able to do you know jordan's not you know jordan's son marcus he's also a big reseller in the sneaker game how do we not know that he's not using michael jordan's own company card you know it's bigger than we know Vinny. we don't know how big it goes it goes straight to the top nike well, it, adidas yeah. Jordan brand. They're all in on it and they're making us pay more for sneakers, Vinny. I am crying. This is the biggest story. This is my like Wall Street financial collapse of 08. Well, uh, you're going to, you know, uh, welcome to the real world, first of all. Um, uh, I, I, we weren't necessarily, I, I wouldn't run into that with with uh, sneakers. Uh, my thing was, I love to go to, to go to concerts, right? And back in the day, um, I don't know how it, how it works now, but there would be a phone number that you would have to call once tickets, like to call, call like, let's say Ticketmaster or whoever it was that was selling the tickets. You would have, okay, uh, Prince tickets are going on sale at 7 a.m. March 3rd. You know, get on the phone and start dialing, all right? And invariably it would sell out in like five minutes and you were lucky to get in more often than not you weren't able to get into that call because everybody and their mother were calling then you would have to obviously go to the secondary sites which a $50 ticket all of a sudden became 500 so I know that feeling I know and understand uh, how that all works but when you when it's an inside job it just you know when it's an inside job you're just it just it just makes you mad and I, I have a feeling that there are a lot of things that are that are done like that maybe concert tickets um tickets in general you know i don't know how all that works but uh it's it's disappointing to say the least all right that's about all the time we got for this one because we got to pay some bills all right so uh you're in the huddle video monster on lincoln kennedy brought to you by tequila and
Welcome back, Raider Nation. Uh, coming down the home stretch in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila uh, Embajador. Uh, once again, uh, thank you to Alec Ingold uh, for taking the time uh, to come up uh, to come on the show uh, to back up uh, uh, his words. You can read the story uh, over at uh, VegasNation.com. Uh, um, uh, his support uh, for for uh, Derek Carr, um, and also, you know. The one thing that that you know in in talking to Alec, um, you know, obviously, like he said uh, on the show um, when he was on, uh, you know, you, you're a professional athlete. You got to tune out the noise. You got to, you know, you're not supposed to care what the fans think. But there, it's 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 easier said than done. And I think the one thing that has been uh, kind of eaten at him a little bit is, um, you know, this notion that. You know the Raiders uh, and that Raider locker room was content with being eight and eight, and you know mediocrity, and um, and 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 you know there's no accountability or guys don't care, and and that's the thing that was really really eaten at him, uh, and one of the reasons why um, you know this story kind of came about, and, and he wanted to come on on the air today to to really you know talk about that and shed some light uh, on, you know on it, and so when he's talking about because we're one of the things is like you know. It's easy for fans just to assume certain things, but when you're living it the way he's living it, and seeing guys get there at five o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, uh, to get their lift in or to get you know Nelson Aguilar out there in the jugs machine at five o'clock in the morning, five thirty in the morning, uh, or in full uniform in in meetings, you know, raring to go, getting ready to get after it. Uh, when you're seeing the work ethic um, that's put into this and the care and professionalism uh, that's put into it, um, you, you, you know, just because things don't necessarily always work out on the field doesn't mean guys don't care and doesn't mean that it doesn't eat at them. Um, you know, Alec talking about uh, the whole situation with Nelson Aguilar, um, you know, after a bitter loss to the Miami Dolphins and really laying it out on the line. Uh, I kind of used a poor choice of words when I said swept it on the rug. I meant it didn't linger in terms of a negative thing um, it, it, in that locker room. It was it was it was said in obviously an emotional emotional and passionate way, but it was also taken uh, the right way from from teammates. I don't think it was from what I understand, and I've talked to some people that were there. Uh, it wasn't delivered in a demeaning way, and it wasn't calling anyone out individually. I think it was kind of a collective type of a type of a thing uh, of some things that just kind of needed to be said in a tough, tough moment, and it was received uh, uh, rightly and and in the right way. And as Alex said, uh, that could be something that you look back on, you know, four or five years from now, and and say, hey, you know what, um, uh, things for a young team kind of started turning around. Uh, for the right way at that moment, and it was had a lasting impression, not a negative impression, but a positive impression. Sometimes things need to be said, man. Uh, you know, and it, it's not a, uh, a a negative; it just needs to be said. And um, you know, to hear that from somebody who was there, somebody who saw it, somebody who heard it, uh, and somebody who's very, very, very—I can't stress to you how respected Alec Ingold is in that locker room. And among that coaching staff, I know that for a fact. So, um, you know, for him to, to stand up and kind of shed some light on it so the fans get a fuller picture and understanding uh, of some things that are going on and, and the work ethic and the professionalism and how much they care uh, and why he believes that, you know, uh, after seeing that and living that and experiencing that, um, why he believes, and a lot of people in that locker room believe, this is not 
so far off. Um, he said this to me as, as, we're, as I was talking to him about this story. There's three plays that didn't get made that had they gotten made, uh, this is an 11-5 team. That's literally, I, I've written this, they're eight points away from being 11-5. and five. Uh, there, are, there are a handful of plays in those games. And, and if you noticed, when he's talking about that Chiefs game, which really, um, it's down the stretch. The defense you know, couldn't, couldn't make a stop if you really want to pinpoint it to one thing. Uh, after the offense left uh, the field with the lead, what did Alex say? He goes, hey, man, maybe if I make that catch. And we all remember the, the, the little flare uh, uh, pass. Uh, he was kind of like the outlet receiver on a play, and, and Derek throws it to him, uh, and he doesn't make the catch. It's a catch that he makes a million times. I've seen him make that catch in practice. I saw him make that catch all the way through training camp. They were throwing the ball a lot to Alec Ingold. Uh, in training camp, I remember I, I have some notebooks where I'm like, huh, this is going to be interesting to see if they throw it to him a little bit more. And they did. It just so happens they didn't make the catch in that Chiefs game. And he said, maybe if I make that catch, we run even more time uh, off the clock. He didn't. And, uh, and, and, and he owns it. He w- didn't say this in the, in, the, in the interview, but the dude was playing with two fractured ribs uh, at, at that point. Um, that's painful, and that's going to uh, affect how you play, especially when you had to, if you remember, he kind of had to you know, jump up a little bit to go and make the catch, uh, and he just wasn't able to stretch out like he normally could because try to do that while you're playing with broken ribs. So, But the point is, um, they believe in that locker room, hey, a couple more plays that we can make in those situations – is going to make all the difference in the world. And he mentioned 2019, his first year with the Raiders, as they came down the stretch, uh, and they got just outclassed, literally outclassed. They had some stinkers, and they got blown out in some of those games as they were coming down the stretch. Um, You throw out the Atlanta Falcon game uh, last year, which was just one of those outlier games where it was just a collective kind of a just, they they were in mud. They were stuck in mud that entire game. That's the only game that I could point to where you know what it just wasn't happening that day it was and it was a collective sort of a just a one of those games but other than that for the most part the raiders were in, in every single game that they played in and competitively in against some really good teams when you're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers into the fourth quarter the Colts into the fourth quarter the Miami Dolphins who were knocking on the door of the playoffs twice against the Kansas City Chiefs once where they beat them and another time they should have beat them that's a super bowl uh, uh, reigning Super Bowl champions who went to the Super Bowl uh, again, and the Raiders were a minute or so away from beating them a second time uh, last year. They beat the Cleveland Browns on the road, um, y- y- a playoff team. Um, so they beat the New Orleans Saints, uh, a playoff team with Drew Brees uh, in the lineup. Uh, there wasn't any, oh my gosh, the Raiders aren't good enough to play against these teams. They're so far off. It was anything but. This year, that's why I've contended that the eight and eight is far different, vastly different, a world of difference away from the seven and nine uh, of of, of 2020 or 2019. It just was a different team. And I believe uh, there's work to be done. There's no doubt there's work to be done defensively, uh, bringing in some new players, bringing in some reinforcements. Obviously, uh, they, 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 they lost faith in the coaching staff, Paul Gunther and his defensive staff. They've brought in a new defensive staff. Uh, to to get that side of the ball squared away, but if they and they're even on that side of the ball, they're not as far away as people might think. Um, and with the right coaching, 
um, the right additions and some players taking steps forward, which there's an expectation that that's going to happen with some of those young defensive players. And a Corey Littleton playing more like Corey Littleton. Um, those those three plays that didn't get made last year and resulted in an eight and eight season rather than an eleven and five season, generally speaking, are going to start getting made in those key critical moments. Sometimes you have to go through some hard times as a team, uh, learning to win games, learning to close games out, learning how to be timely, uh, how to how to follow you know figure out a way to go get the ball that's on the ground. Uh, that, that could be a key fumble or hold on to an interception or make the tackle or be on the same page, whatever the case is, it's a learning experience. And you heard Alec Ingold today, who's in that locker room and living that life, talk about how there is a strong conviction and a strong feeling in that room uh, that the Raiders are pretty close uh, to getting this thing turned around. So thank you to Alec Ingold. Thank you to the listeners. I know that you're excited to talk to him. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm glad you brought it, uh, as Raider Nation always does. Thank you to Devon Cotton. Uh, our great producer over at home base. Uh, we'll be back back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. I'll be broadcasting from the Raider uh, facility out in Henderson. Look forward to it. Talk to you tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. <laughs>